You're listening to the Pioneering Today podcast with me, Melissa K. Norris, inspiring your faith and pioneer roots. And on today's episode, which is episode number 84, we are going to be talking about the best plants that are not only for companion planting, but are also the best for preserving. Today's episode is brought to you by The Made From Scratch Life, simple ways to create a natural home. The Made From Scratch Life will walk you through how to simplify how to make things at home from simple ingredients, from preserving your own food and canning recipes that don't use store-bought pectin, to making your own cleaning supplies with natural ingredients you'll already have in your kitchen shelves, to cooking your food from scratch and learning how to raise and grow your own heirloom garden. You can grab worksheets and bonuses at madefromscratchlife.com. I, this is a subject like growing your own food. I just love, I, there's so much to talk about and share about. I could talk about it all day long, which is why you've probably noticed that the past couple episodes have had to do with planting and growing your own food. So there is nothing more cool than going out and picking your own groceries, raising your own groceries, and shopping for your own groceries from your own backyard, where the only currency is pretty much your work, because it does take some work, the seed, the soil, and water. But there's nothing quite like staring at jars of home canned goodies, lighting your shelves, mason jars galore, dehydrated foods, you know, foods in vinegar and oil, and even bags of frozen pesto, or I freeze berries and tomatoes if I don't have time to get them all in the jars and the harvest is coming on super quick to make jam and jelly and sauces later. So all of that preparation and all of the things that need to happen in order for that to happen begins right now or depending upon your growing season within the next month or so. So at the time of this recording of this podcast is late April. So this Springtime could be my favorite time of year. We just brought home our new batch of baby piglets that we'll be raising for our own pork. And I just brought home our meat chickens, which right now they're the cute little baby chicks with all the little fuzz and down on them. And they're just so cute. I want to cuddle them. So spring is really fun because it's like when all the baby stuff, you know, your baby plants and your seeds and the baby animals and it's just a time of excitement and all the stuff is growing in. So spring could be one of my favorite times of year, but... I don't know about you guys, but I think I say that about each season as it comes and each time in life. Like I'm always really ready for that season when it comes. So I'm so glad that God in his wisdom created a time and a season for everything under the sun, right? Most of us are pretty familiar, especially if you've been following or listening to the podcast for a while here, the Pioneering Today podcast, with planting a basic vegetable garden for preserving or putting up food. Now, in last week's episode, which was episode number 83, if you didn't catch that one, you're definitely going to go want to listen to that one. And that was how much to plant for a year's worth of food. We discussed the best vegetables if you're trying to grow all of your own food, especially for a year's worth of food off of what you can produce on your own land. So you could have holes for as far as calorie and protein content, especially if you're just doing it without raising meat more from a vegetable and fruit production. So we talked about the best vegetables there, the best ones as far as preserving wise, and how much that you actually need to put in per person if you're going the pioneer style and you want to try and grow as much of your own food as possible for a full year. So you can grab that at melissakinoris.com 
click on the podcast button, and that was episode number 83. And all of the podcast episodes you can grab there, and then you can um, listen to them on the desktop. If you're subscribing via iTunes or another method, you can always listen to them there. And then you get the full-on show notes plus a lot of the upgrades. So there is an awesome chart that you can download to help you out. You know, hint, hint, get yourself on over there and grab it. You can grab all of the downloads and find extras and that kind of thing and the links of anything that we're referencing on the show notes page. So today we're going to dive into companion planting And the best plants to put in that double as not only a companion plant, but also for meeting our preserving needs. Because this homesteader, I expect my plants to work just as hard as I do. And when they perform two functions at once is pretty awesome. And actually, as far as the companion planting and then preserving, they actually perform three functions because then we just, we get to eat them as well. Fresh, right? So I love that. So companion planting, for those of you who aren't really familiar with companion planting or not maybe quite sure what that is, companion planting is really simple. Basically, you are planting certain plants together or near one another because they help each other out. So just like if you have a really good friend, you know, they've always got your back and they compliment you where you're weak and vice versa. So that's really the basis behind companion planting. Now, we've covered a lot in past episodes, and especially like I I mentioned, this is episode number 84, but episode number 83 on the vegetables and the things to put in and plant as far as preserving to be able to put up a whole year's worth of food and to grow as much of your own food as possible. So those is like vegetables and varieties of vegetables and those kind of things. That's been covered a lot in the previous episodes. Today, we're going to be talking about companion planting with herbs their herbs and they double also as a companion plant and as the herb and then also in a lot of our preserving recipes and a lot of things that we will preserve and put up for future use. So one of the first ones is cilantro. So cilantro is part of any good salsa, right? So even our canned salsas, if you're making fresh salsa or pica de gallo, Cilantro is great for all of those. One thing that's really nice about cilantro too is cilantro is a little bit more cold hardy than a lot of your other herbs that require a lot of the heat of summertime. So cilantro will come up super early and so it'll be one of the very first herbs that you will get to harvest in the springtime. So I'm harvesting cilantro right now. Actually, it came up uh, the end of March, it started popping up mid, mid-March. mid So cilantro is great because it's one of the first herbs that comes up. And I also like cilantro because we talk a lot about food storage and rice is one of the items that we have in our food storage and rice can be a great way to stretch a lot of recipes. So a lot of times, like if we're having taco night or something like that, I like to make a side of rice. So it's really easy to make kind of a Mexican flavored Spanish type rice just by adding in some lime juice garlic and chopped up cilantro. So I'll chop the cilantro leaves up really fine and stir that in with the rice and it makes a great, great, great side dish. And then a lot of times we'll just put it up inside with the meat if we're making burritos or tacos or, you know, whatever that way. So cilantro is great as well because the cool thing about cilantro, if you didn't know this, is when cilantro goes to flower and then the flower will turn into your seed and cilantro seed is coriander. So if you didn't know that, cilantro is also your coriander seed, which is pretty cool. 
So cilantro is great because we've got the greens, which I said go into our salsas and can go into different casseroles and different dishes like that. But then you get to harvest the seeds and that goes right into your spice cabinet. So as far as a preserving standpoint, it's going to go into our canned salsas and tomato products and then into the spice cabinet. But now we get to talk about the companion planting part, which is really fun. So companion planting is great because not only can different companion plants benefit the plant that it's planted next to, companion planting is also a way in a form of doing natural pest control in the garden. So we try to do everything as organically and natural as possible here, especially in regards to raising our food. So companion planting can be a great way to help get rid of the pests without having to use sprays and chemicals and pesticides, but without sacrificing the quality of your food, because that's what happens when you have pests and disease is it wrecks your food harvest, right? So companion planting is kind of nature's way, God's way, if we really want to get down to it, of taking care of that or helping you combat that. So the really cool thing about cilantro is, like I said, is it will go to flower. And a lot of people will call that it'll bolt. So it'll it'll go into the blossoming and then it's going to form its seeds. So cilantro is a good one that you want to succession sow. And so what I mean by that is you can plant some, like I said, ours comes up actually volunteer-wise. Cilantro will reseed itself. So if you don't harvest all of the coriander seed, leave a little bit out. And then that will reseed itself and it will continue to replant itself and then you won't have to do it. So you'll get volunteer cilantro that will come up. But you also can reserve some of the seed and then just plant it, you know, plant it every, you know, three to four weeks, put some new seed down, and then you'll have a constant supply of the cilantro all the way through the growing season. So when it goes to blossom, it has white flowers. They're actually really cute and uh, kind of dainty and really pretty. But what's great about the flowers is not just the coriander seed that they're going to be forming, but they attract parasitic wasps. Now, stay with me here for just a minute. I know you're thinking wasps. I hate wasps. Those things sting. They make me scream like a girl and run away, right? Okay. I'm not talking about those kind of wasps because those kind of wasps drive me crazy. We've got a big overabundance of those wasps at our house right now. In fact, they're trying to take... They have damage one of my mason bee nests um they are just that's a whole nother podcast i tell you what those wasps but parasitic wasps are a different story so they're not the yellow and black striped ones that are mean and create those big old nests and it'll chase you down and sting you over and over so that's not what i'm talking about so don't worry your cilantro flowers are not um, going to be attracting those ones so parasitic wasps they don't sting you and the cool thing about them is they help control aphids white flies, ants, leaf miners, as well as the eggs of worms and moss that really can plague us home gardeners. So, you know, like the worms that will get into the tomatoes and the cabbage and moths that really seem to bother the brassica family and cabbage and kale and broccoli, those kind of things. Um, And if you want to read more about parasitic wasps and the benefits that they can have in the garden I actually have linked to in the show notes so like I said you can grab those and find those at mostknorris.com this is episode number 84 at gardening know-how I found a really great article that goes into a lot more depth on them there so you probably if you're like me I kind of get geeky and I love I love learning all of this stuff I think it's so fascinating Um, so if you want to check that article out it is in the show notes you can grab the link right there 
So, like I said, one of the awesome things about cilantro, too, as far as a preparedness and preserving one is, and a companion plant, companion plant is it reseeds itself. So it will keep re-sowing itself um, for year after year after year, which I just love because the less I actually have to go out and plant something and it replants itself, uh, high five. So that's why cilantro actually made number one on my list of the best herbs. Now, the second herb, which this one probably isn't going to come as a big surprise to y'all, is dill. So dill is the star of almost every pickle, at least at our house, like garlic and dill, With any vegetable and some vinegar, hello, love it. It goes into our pickled asparagus, our pickled garlic, of course, pickled dill garlic cucumbers, lemon dill sauce for salads and meat, you guys. Oh, and both the seeds, so your dill seed and the leaves dry really good for year-round use. And dill is one of the cool herbs because... A lot of herbs, when you dry them, they kind of tend to lose some of their potency, some of their flavor. Like, I don't know if you ever noticed, like fresh herbs, like fresh basil is so good. But dried basil just doesn't pack that same punch as fresh basil. So dill is great because dried dill still has a lot of that good dill flavor. It doesn't tend to dilute it so much as some of the other herbs by drying it. So, and like I said, both the seeds and the leaves dry great. So I love that about dill. So, and for all of the pickling recipes, you, if you don't have it already, you have got to make sure that you're signed up to get our free ultimate home food preservation guide. So that's got the recipes to pickled garlic and cucumbers and then how to dry your different herbs. It, it's all in there. It's totally free. So make sure that you grab that and you can get that when you subscribe to get the chart on how much food to plant for a year. You get instant access to that and it'll come. I had a couple of people email me. Um, you, you will punch in your email and then it will come right to your email. So you'll get the links right there in your email. So just make sure that you hit confirm that you want to subscribe because of course you want to subscribe and get more updates on all of this cool self-sufficiency stuff and you'll get it right there. Dill is a rock star of pickles like we mentioned and it preserves really well but the other thing that I really like about dill is as a companion plant it's pretty cool too. So dill attracts honeybees and as we know the honeybees are really struggling. There's a lot of colony collapse and hive disease and there's lots of different speculations as to why that's happening but the honeybees are kind of in danger like there's been a lot of them dying off so anything that we can do to help our honeybees out we need to be doing so dill is really good because the flowers on the dill attracts the honeybees and not only is that good because honeybees produce honey and we all love honey right honey's got lots of really awesome properties to it But the honeybees are our pollinators, and we need those pollinators in our garden in order to get our food. If we don't have honeybees, um, our food supply is in really sad shape. So keeping the honeybees happy and doing all we can for them is really awesome. So dill will help do that. So it'll attract the honeybees. It gives them pollen. It'll attract them to the garden so that you'll get better pollination rates on your vegetables and your harvest as well. The other cool thing about dill, I mean, that's pretty cool right in its of itself, right? But it improves the health of the brassica family. So when I say brassica family, brassica family, or if you've ever heard the term coal crops, so think 
cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, kale. That's your brassica family. So it improves the health of those. So you can plant that right in, plant the dill right in with your brassica crops. And it's also thought to help repel cabbage moth, which is awesome because that is one of the things that drives me crazy about my brassicas is the moth and the worms, right? So it's thought to help repel them. So great. One note of caution though. So companion plants are awesome. And so you need to know what they companion with and what they help. But you also need to know that just like some people in our lives, not all plants get along with one another. So just because it's an awesome companion for one plant, it can kind of be an enemy of another plant. So that is the case with dill. So one note of caution when you're putting dill in the garden is like I said, it goes great with the brassica plants and it's a pollinator. But dill and carrots are related. They'll cross-pollinate. So don't plant your dill near your carrots because they will cross-pollinate, which we don't want dill-tasting carrots or dill that tastes like carrots, right? So no, don't plant those together. And then the other thing to know with dill is when it's young, so when the dill is immature and it's just starting to grow, it can help the growth of tomato plants. So it can actually help the tomato plant to grow. But once the dill is mature, then it can stunt tomato growth. So if you plant it in with your tomatoes, just know that once that dill starts to reach maturity that you're going to want to pull it out. And for me, you don't really harvest the dill until it's mature, especially the dill seed. So I just wouldn't put it in with my tomatoes at all because I wouldn't want to have to pull it out before it was mature. That's just like extra steps. But I just wanted you to be aware with that. Um, If you did put it in with your tomatoes or near your tomatoes, you're going to need to pull it out later. So first one we talked about was cilantro. Second is dill. And the third one is basil. Basil is one of my favorite herbs just because it's amazing taste and smell. I think I have like 15 basil plants that I started in the house and even as little tiny babies because basil is one of those herbs that is not hardy. So basil likes warm, lots of sunshine. It likes to be hot. And so I have to start it in the house because our growing season is so short here and we tend to be on the cooler side. So I start my basil in the house so that I get lots of it for a longer season And even those little tiny baby leaves, like it only has four leaves on it and already they just smell so wonderful. So Basil and I kind of have a thing together. I love it. (laughs) Um, Part of the reason is it pairs beautifully with tomatoes. It goes great in your sauces and especially in one of our year-round favorites, which is pesto. So I've got a recipe. You can grab the link and that's how to make basil lamb's quarter pesto. So lamb's quarter is, a lot of people actually just think of it as a weed. So it's one of the um, wild edibles. So it's something that just grows out in the wild, but that you can harvest. So, you know, like nettles, stinging nettles is another uh, wild harvest. And then of course you've got your mushrooms, but there's lots of things that grow just wild that are actually edible that we can harvest. And that is in a previous episode. So episode number 66, 
is where we go into great depth talking about foraging wild edibles. So I've got five rules for foraging wild edibles safely. And then I've also got a 25 plus wild edible plant chart that goes by season. So you can tell when to season all of those wild edibles um, in your region and know when to harvest those. So that you can go and check out. We'll have that in the show notes as well if you want to get that. But one of the things is lamb's quarter. So you can make a basil lamb's quarter pesto. You can actually make pesto. So basil, that's another one of the great things about it. Basil pairs with so many different things. You can even do basil nettle pesto. Way cool, right? With pesto, I like to make it. And pesto, because it has oil in it, oil is not a candidate for safe canning. So Pesto is not something that we can, even though I love my mason jars and I am a self-proclaimed canning addict. <laughs> pesto is not one of the ones we can, but pesto freeze awesomely. So what I like to do, it, especially with basil, because I mentioned some of the herbs when you dry and basil is one of those. It loses a lot of its flavor really quickly when it's dehydrated, but when it's frozen it keeps the flavor great. So there's lots of different ways that you can do that. One of them, of course, is with pesto, which I like because all of the work is done for me. But a lot of people will even take fresh basil and take like an ice cube tray and they'll put the fresh, some of the fresh basil leaves or fresh herbs, whatever it is that you're wanting to preserve. They'll put it in the ice cube tray and then put some olive oil in it and freeze it. So that will preserve it. And then when you're making your sauces, you just dump it in there because that's how every great, awesome tomato sauce starts right with a little bit of basil and oil and garlic and oh my goodness I'm getting hungry guys so anyways that can be a great way to preserve your herbs is to freeze it especially with basil so I like to make up a big old batch of pesto and then I put it inside the gallon freezer bags and lay it flat so I lay it flat on like a cookie sheet so it freezes flat and then then it restores so super easy in the freezer because my freezer space is kind of uh I don't usually have a lot of extra so I try to maximize my freezer space as much as possible but the other great thing about freezing that in a single layer like that is you can just open the bag and you can just break off chunks as you need so you don't have to worry about trying to thaw it out ahead of time because I don't know about you guys but I am not always that I like to be good at meal planning but there's a lot of nights where I didn't take something out to thaw because I forgot or whatever. So I love my canned goods for that reason because I can just dump it in and go like talk about instant meals that are still homemade. But with a pesto, I can just break a chunk off and then toss it into the soups or what, if I'm making a sauce like, oh, pesto pizza, you guys using the pesto as your pizza sauce is amazing. So <laughs> anyway, I think I, this just turned into like my favorite foods um, episode. But anyway, so basil is great. You've got to do the basil. So that's what I like to do as far as preserving the basil. Like I said, I will add it into some of my different tomato sauces and stewed tomatoes and then and the pesto. Got to do that. So basil is also a great companion plant, though. And it works really well when planted near tomatoes. And part of the reason that I put my basil in with my tomatoes is because, as I mentioned, basil is a heat-loving plant. And as well are tomatoes and peppers. And my tomatoes here in the Pacific Northwest on a typical summer weather pattern were not always really warm. And a lot of times we can have a lot of rain. So I plant my tomatoes under cover in our off-grid greenhouse, which helps keep it a little bit warmer than it would be if it was just out in the regular garden. And I put my basil in there as well so that I can put them out earlier. It gives me a jump on our growing season of about 
three to four weeks by putting them in an off-grid greenhouse in the springtime. So that way I can plant them all out there and I get a harvest that much sooner. So basil also is thought, though, to help repel flies and mosquitoes. So that's great. You might want to consider planting it near your patio or barbecue area as well because a lot of times in the summer we're spending time outdoors and nobody likes the mosquitoes and the flies, right? So basil can work as a great companion plant in that aspect as well. This is a portion of the Pioneering Today podcast where we share our verse of the week. And I just have to say, I really enjoy this part and I love getting the emails or comments on social media from you guys saying that you really enjoy the verse of the week too, because it's one of my favorite parts as well. Today, I'm going to be sharing and talking about some verses from Proverbs. And I don't know if there's any more, I hate to use the word famous or well-known verses from Proverbs than Proverbs 31 and specifically the Proverbs 31 woman. It's about a woman, a godly woman who is held up in high esteem and there's been lots of books and ministries and tons of things written about this particular set of verses in this passage. And so the one verse through this whole thing that really stood out to me in Proverbs 31 and it's verse 18 is this particular verse. And it says, she tastes and sees that her gain from work with and for God is good. Her lamp goes not out, but it burns on continually through the night of trouble, privation, or sorrow, warning away fear, doubt, and distrust. And before, a lot of times what I've read about the Proverbs 30 Warren woman, she just plain wears me out, and I come away feeling inadequate, that there's no way that I will ever be able to do what all she does, and like I tip my hat to her, and think that there is there's just no way that I can measure up to or be that woman. Like I feel like it's an ideal that's set before us, And there's just no way that we can ever attain it. So if you've ever felt that way reading those verses, then I am right there with you. And if you haven't, um, great. You have probably already um, passed me on, on this portion in scripture. But in particular, verse 18, what I really took away from this time when I was reading this is the specific part where it says that her work is with and for God and it is good. Because so often, all the things that we try to do in life, or I try to do in life, I'm not doing necessarily for and with God. I mean, a a lot of it I am, or I would like to think that I am. But if you really get down to it, a lot of it as I'm doing it is not necessarily with God or even for him. I'm doing it for myself. And we can be doing the same tasks. You know, we can be doing the same thing. But there's a big difference that comes about when we're doing that task with the intention and with the heart that it's for God and that it's going to be for him and used for him or you're doing it because it's an obedience to his word and that your heart is in the right place. So you can be doing you can have the the same thing that you're doing. But when you have that heart change or that heart shift and it becomes for him, it really transforms my attitude or your attitude when we're doing it and it transforms the task. It's pretty amazing. So as I'm reading this and all the things that she does, it's not that she's doing it in her own strength. It's that we're supposed to be doing it with and for God. So even if we are washing the dishes, if we're getting up early to get things ready for our family for the day, If we're doing it just out of sense of duty and without love and a sense of with, uh, I'm the only one that can do this and I'm so tired, 
which not that sometimes that we're not tired, don't get me wrong, but if we're doing it in our own strength and for our own gain and not for honoring God or with God and doing it as a service with him, then there's no way that we can attain that Proverbs 31 woman, right? Because we can't do it in our own strength. And so that's why when I really went back through and I was reading this, that that portion of the scripture really stood out to me and reminded me that whenever I'm starting to feel really tired or overwhelmed or exhausted, it's usually because I'm doing things that God has not necessarily called me to do. I'm doing them because I want to, or my motivations maybe aren't quite so pure. And I really need to just sit back and remember on the things that God's called me to do. And that's what I need to get done in a day. Not everything else that's on my agenda. And I also love the second promise of the verse because it says, as we taste and see what we've done with and for God is good. Then we continue and we don't burn out and it continues to go with us when we go through, because it doesn't say we won't go through, but it says when we start to go through the nights or the times of trouble, of sorrow, of doubt and distrust, that when we're working side by side with God and for him, then that goodness will taste and see it and will carry us through the hard times. So this was just really a verse of promise for me that I wanted to share with you. So thank you so much for joining me today and I'll catch you on the next episode.